Let's welcome now back to our program GOP candidate for United States Senate running against Tim Ryan to replace Rob Portman. J.D. Vance back with us now on AM 1420, the answer. J.D., good to have you back on the program. How are you, sir? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Always a pleasure to chat. So, J.D., Bidenflation has such a nice ring to it, just like Bidenomics does. Biden's session doesn't flow as well, but it's just <laughs> as dangerous uh, to middle-class Americans. Um, what do you make of the left's reimagining of the word recession? What do you make of their, 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 their desire to say, no, 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 we haven't for decades and decades and decades uh, used the technical definition of, of recession as two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. They're literally trying to rewrite that word like they did vaccine, like they did woman, like they did mother. They're, they're trying to change the uh, our vernacular, I guess, in order to advance their agenda. But, but this is a legitimate recession, isn't it? Uh, it certainly is, and I, it's something straight out of George Orwell, Bob, because it's not just, you know, you mentioned, you know, redefining gender, redefining recession, redefining whether an open border is, in fact, a secure border. And the thing that I don't understand about what they're doing is, look, man, it, it's not like if we're not in a technical recession that all of us are looking around saying, oh, man, things are great because Janet Yellen said that we don't technically fit the definition of recession. Like, th- people realize that things aren't going very well. And so rather than, like, fix the underlying problem, they're haggling over the definition of the word. I just find it so bizarre. Like, I, I obviously disagree with it. I also don't know what they think they're actually doing. Well, you know, I found it interesting, Biden's statement, um, you know, about the, the GDP number and about the two consecutive quarters. He never, ever mentions the word recession. He's leaving that to all of his flunkies to go out there and say it's not really a recession. But all he continues to focus on is the one economic metric that is going well for the country, and that is unemployment continues to be low. Now, we have to take into consideration, obviously, the workforce participation rate, which plays a factor in that, too. But... It is literally the one economic indicator that is going well now, and that's the only one they grab onto. They won't talk about the uh, the, the CPI at nine point one percent. They won't talk about uh, the uh, actual wholesale uh, inflation rate. Uh, they don't want to talk about uh, energy costs, gas costs, and so forth, other than to say that hey, it's gone down sixty cents in the last thirty four days. We're doing a great job. Never mind the fact that you raised it by three dollars with your terrible policies. So the one metric they have is unemployment, and they think that C that means we're not in a ref- uh, in a recession. Well, I just don't know anybody who actually buys this, Bob. I know you don't. I don't think most of the people in Ohio do either. I mean, look, we, we, we have a situation where every single small and large business that I talk to is desperate to find workers. We know, as you said, the labor force participation rate is low. And so how do you square that circle of labor force participation is low, uh, but also also unemployment is, is declining? Well, it's because so many people have just dropped out of the workforce altogether. And so, I mean, I guess it is a good thing for people to get back to work and to be searching for jobs. That's obviously a good thing. Um, but it's not a good thing that you still have so many people who have dropped out entirely, right? So, so, so the economic indicators here are all pointing in the negative direction. And, and the really crazy part about this, you know, this is, this is sort of the maximum Orwell thing that's going on right now, is they're proposing a piece of legislation called the Inflation Reduction Act that spends hundreds of billions of dollars of taxpayer money, Bob. And, and of course, if you look at what it actually does, you know, one of its big provisions is giving rich people money to buy electric vehicles. Like, how is that going to solve the inflation crisis 
And how is that something the government should be involved in, even if we didn't have an inflation crisis? It's all just so, so insane. And I have to say, Bob, that the guy who has supported Joe Biden 100% of the time is Tim Ryan, because we know that as he pretends in Ohio to be a moderate, he has supported every single one of these inflationary policies, every single one of these recessionary policies. And people, I think, are just fed up. They're sick of it, and they want just a little bit of sanity. Yeah, just a little bit. That's that's uh, that's not too much to ask. We're talking to J.D. Vance, of course, Ohio uh, candidate, GOP candidate for the Senate seat currently held by Rob Portman. This this race, J.D., is so much more important now, and, and at least it's more clear now, I guess, than ever before because of Joe Manchin suddenly caving and, you know, to the Biden gangrene movement. Uh, you know, everybody knows, and, and Barack Obama talked about this. Joe Biden was in the room. He ought to remember it, that you don't raise taxes during a recession. And this is a massive tax increase, a tax increase on businesses, tax increase on, increase on corporations. The ones that are going to have to find a way to deal with the, the, the higher taxes they have to pay now and they're probably going to do what? Mm, raise prices on an already overinflated, uh, you know, uh, consumer market right now. Um, so, you know, we we need we need to we can't count on people that are moderate like Joe Manchin to save us from his own party all the time. We really need this race, and we need a whole lot of other races because um, I don't see JD. I don't see them changing uh, uh, direction if they you know if they uh, if they continue to hold that Senate. No, I don't think so. And, and Bob, for the last couple of years, I've, I've woke up and I've said my prayers for Joe Manchin and, and Kirsten Cinema, And, uh, you know, Same. at least on, on some of the big issues, they've been with us. But obviously on this one, they're, they're just not. Uh, obviously, partisan pressure is just too high, I guess, in this case. But, but, but you know, look, the, Joe Manchin is such an interesting case here because the one thing that you would expect a senator from West Virginia to be good at is defending American energy resources. And so if you subsidize electric vehicles, you're subsidizing the manufacture and the mining of those those materials that go in those vehicles in China. If you're subsidizing the green economy, you're fundamentally attacking the coal, the oil, the natural gas-based economy that West Virginia depends on, but obviously we depend on here in Ohio. And and the thing that that just struck me this morning, I I actually went on TV this morning, Bob, and it, it sort of hit me like a ton of bricks that you hear these Democrats talk all the time about bringing American manufacturing back. But one of the biggest disadvantages American manufacturers have is that we don't have high-quality power. The Chinese are building coal-fired power because the Chinese recognize you can't build a manufacturing economy on solar panels. We are going in the exact opposite direction. At the same time, these clowns say they want to bring back American manufacturing. It just doesn't make sense. You cannot, on the one hand, try to encourage manufacturers to come back, and on the other hand, deny them the lifeblood of manufacturing, which is cheap power. J.D., that is uh, exactly correct. And, you know, there's a headline in the Times, the Hong Kong Sunday Times from just nine days ago, July 20th, headline, China orders 300 million more tons of coal to be mined a year. China relies on coal for about 60% of their energy needs. We are going to be relying on coal more than we ever have before, even as they claim they're trying to kill fossil fuels. Because guess what powers the electricity that is going to be needed for tens of millions of of, uh, vehicles in the United States of America, electric vehicles? Well, wait, I, I thought that when you plugged your 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 car into the wall, it came from the magic energy fairy. Bob, is that is that not right? Are, are you telling me that that electricity is actually powered by fossil fuels? Of course, you're right. This is crazy. This idea that you could have 
an electric vehicle-based economy, where does the power come from? We know that it comes from fossil fuels. I was in Warren, Ohio, not too far from 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 you uh, yesterday, Bob, and you know I went to one of one of the great uh, steel manufacturing facilities that, that still exists in our state, and and you know you see everybody they're they're welding, they're working with the steel, and you know what they need to do? Gas. You know what just hit an all time high two days ago? Natural gas. We are crushing the American economy, especially the American manufacturing economy, and we're doing it so that we can shift it. To the dirtiest economy in the world, the Chinese. It doesn't make environmental sense. It doesn't make economic sense. And it makes me wonder, you know, there's something kind of dark going on here. So if you, if you think of, like, the guy who runs BlackRock, Larry Fink, he's the guy behind all of this ESG investing. He will not let American investors put money in American fossil fuels, but he will force American companies to do business in China, the dirtiest economy in the world. Like, what, what are these people doing if not destroying the foundation of American prosperity. That is exactly what they're doing. There is no alternate answer to that question. We're talking to J.D. Vance. He is running for the United States Senate against uh, Tim Ryan. By the way, the energy ferry that you talked about, uh, clearly we both saw the same video from last month of the um, uh, the G- CEO of General Motors. Did, is that what you were referring to? The, the, I, I haven't seen it, no. Oh, my gosh, J.D., I'll send it to you when we're done. The okay. CEO of General Motors is on video, and they were they were bragging about this new, um, uh, uh, the, the Volt, the new version of the of the Chevy Volt, which is fine. Good good for them. That's, that's fine. Do your thing. See what the market will bear. But um, a reporter there asked her about the powering of the Volt and about the powering of the batteries. And they said, you know, where does the, uh, where does the electricity come from? And she turned around and she said, that building right there. Uh, you know, there, there's there's outlets right there. There's there's two outlets right there. And they said, no, where does that come from? She said, no, that building right there. And they, they literally had to, like, bludgeon her with this for her to realize that electricity, it doesn't come from electricity ferry, that that building gets its from a power plant and through the conductors and so on and so forth um, uh, that are run primarily off of coal and, in some cases, natural gas as well. So. Uh, it's a phenomenal video. I thought you had seen it when you brought that up because it played in perfectly. Uh, let me move on. J.D., the calendar is about to flip to August. Uh, puts us about three months from the election. He, Ryan, continues to spend heavy on TV. Media continues to give him a ton of press. Can you talk about strategy now that we're moving closer? And can you talk about the fundraising disparity that continues to exist, at least according to what I read, uh, and whether any of that has changed since the last time we talked about that? Yeah, so, so let's talk about the fundraising disparity because this is why Tim Ryan is able to spend on TV. And I encourage your listeners, if they're interested in helping us, go to JDVance.com. Uh, this is a big part of how we close the gap. Is Tim Ryan has an unlimited fountain of money from national Democratic donors. And let me just give you a couple of statistics because it both highlights our problem but also the broader problem with our party. So I raised $2.3 million last quarter. Tim Ryan raised about $9 million. So that's a very, very big disparity. Go next door in, in, in Pennsylvania. Oz, the Republican, raised $1.6 million. Fetterman, the Democrat, raised $14 million. And if you go across the country, you see the same disparity replaying itself. Maybe not quite as bad as in Pennsylvania, uh, but, but you know, we're, we're actually lucky by national standards in that we're able to raise enough money, at least that we're going to be able to be on TV in the last, in the last few months of this race. Uh, my strategy, Bob, because we recognize this disparity, and even in the best-case scenario, we knew it was going to be there, we wanted to spend money on TV when it was maximally effective. And I think we're getting pretty close to that, actually. I think you know, people are going to start seeing our ads uh, here in the next couple of weeks, if not sooner. 
because I want to hit people when they're actually paying attention. And you may remember, Bob, in the, in the primary, um, you know, I was the last guy to go on TV. And part of the reason was, you know, I, as much as it's annoying to see your competitors' um, advertisements, I, I want to spend our campaign's resources wisely, and I want us to talk to people when they're actually listening. And so we, we, this is a very deliberate strategy we've had. We will be on TV, and we will be telling the story of Tim Ryan, the fraud. Because while he says he's pro-police, he was calling police systemically racist a couple of years ago. While he says he, he supports American manufacturing, he was actually uh, a huge opponent of the Ohio energy economy that's necessary to bringing the manufacturing back. And, and, and I just don't think this, this reputation that Tim has tried to cultivate as a moderate can possibly withstand his own words and his own actions. So we're going to hit him. We're going to hit him pretty hard. And I, and I think that we're going to be in a very good place come November. Well, I mean, I think he's trying to pull something off even worse than I'm a moderate. I mean, if you, if you really take his ads in total, you almost would think that Donald Trump endorsed him. But with everything that he has said, uh, he, he yep. sounds like America first. It's crazy, and it belies his his record, as you say, his voting record with Joe Biden, uh, his voting record with uh, you know with with Chuck Schumer. Uh, it is it's extraordinary uh, that he's trying to pull this over. But again, he's counting on a whole lot of people in the state that don't know his record, uh, you know from uh, you know from Northeast um, and and you know in Youngstown. So that's the uh, that's the issue there. He's he's really counting on people's ignorance. Um, J.D., I want to ask you briefly about immigration. You've spoken sure. at length about your family's personal history with opioids. Obviously, everybody knows the book, maybe saw the movie, and why that's so uh, personal to you, that we seal the border and stop the flow of fentanyl and other drugs into the country. And I'm just curious about your reaction to D.C. Mayor Mur- Muriel Bowser, who this week is suddenly interested in the border. After uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott started sending busloads of illegal aliens and potentially the drugs they carry to big cities like hers, instead of just letting the small towns in the border states endure the full brunt of of illegal immigrant crime and drugs, suddenly they're landing in her door on her doorstep and she's calling for the National Guard. Isn't yep. it an astounding thing that the, the left doesn't care about illegal immigration until it shows up on, uh, it shows up in their own backyards? Uh, this Yes, absolutely. This makes me so angry, Bob, because the things that Muriel Bowser is saying, the problems caused by illegal immigration, the stress on resources, uh, the infrastructure stress, the fact that they don't know what to do with these kids at their schools, these are the same things that you and, and I and so many conservatives have been saying for the last couple of years, and every single time we say it, they call us the racist, they call us xenophobes. This is the problem when you don't have control over who comes into your country, your city, your state, whatever the case may be. And the fact that she's echoing our talking points with 4,000 illegal immigrants in Washington, D.C., obviously a very big city, suggests how big of a problem this is, but also how bad faith the Democratic elites have been about this. Because we know these issues are there. They have been there. They're coming to the surface now. But we have got to get control of the situation. And we've got to send politicians, right? who do not care what the mainstream media calls them. Because while Muriel Bowser, baby, is just waking up to this problem, here in Ohio, all across the country, we've been aware of this problem for a long time. You talk to a sheriff, Bob, talk to a sheriff in our state, and they will tell you that two layers behind the street dealer that you, you arrest on the street, there is a Mexican drug cartel providing that, that person the drugs. That, that, that is how close the Biden border crisis is to the problems here in Ohio. I can't believe that the media is giving these people a free pass. But, of course, I should believe it uh, because that's how they operate. Yeah, no, they certainly do. And uh, and that's a great point uh, about talking to the sheriffs. They know 
Uh, and I just love the fact that what Greg Abbott did is actually working, and he's he's showing them, look at what you are trying to put the citizens of Texas and Arizona and New Mexico and other places through because, you know, this doesn't touch you. We're going to show you what it's like, and we're going to show you what this uh, what this feels like, and suddenly they're screaming, don't do this anymore. I say they double down. I, I think every... Every uh, governor uh, that is willing to do this, if they have people crossing into um, uh, into their into their states, let's now focus on Martha's Vineyard. Let's send them to Malibu. Let's send them uh, to you know again. This is all by choice. It's all, all voluntary. They give them offer to give these people bus rides into big cities. Send them to where the elite Democrats, who seemingly don't think illegal immigration can touch them, where it touches them. Send them to yep. the coast. Send them just like they did to D.C. and let them deal with it and see firsthand. And you know what? I bet you might start seeing, J.D., you think we might start seeing Democrats actually saying uh, that wall maybe was not such a terrible idea. I think that's exactly what we'll see, and it's a great idea. And I, I would just love to give these people a little bit of taste of their own medicine because we have such a crisis here, Bob. I mean, it's not just the drug trafficking. It's the sex trafficking. You know how many oh. times? Uh, that teenagers and and below, God forbid, have been have been picked up in sex trafficking rings in the state of Ohio. You know, Toledo, just because it's along the I seventy five corridor, has become a bit of a hotbed sex trafficking activity. It, it's just so disgusting what they've what they've let happen to our country. Uh, and and yeah, I think we give them a taste of their own medicine, not because we're vengeful, but because maybe then they'll wake up and help us start to fight back against this problem. Yeah, no, very well said. It's not about vengeance, but it's about you. If you, yeah, some of these, it's it's you know, if they don't see it, they think it doesn't exist. Uh, and as long as they keep it at arm's length, they can continue to ride their high horse and say we need to be compassionate and welcome these humanitarian people suffering from humanitarian crises into our country. As long as they can keep it away from themselves, they can virtue signal like that. Once they actually have to deal with it, now it's a different story. It's not about vengeance. It's about it's about you know educating them on what the real problem is. J.D. Vance, yep. uh, candidate for Senate, running against Tim Ryan, trying to stop the lies uh, from the Ryan campaign. J.D., thanks for the time. We appreciate it. We'll check in with you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Bob. You got it. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.